welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We are continuing on in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going pretty slow. I'm super grateful for all of you who are continuing to listen and learn alongside me. It is podcast episode 108 today, and we're going to work through together Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. We're continuing on from our passage last month, which talked about what it meant to be the salt of the earth. And today, we're going to see what it means when Jesus says, you are the light of the world. All the past episodes are linked in the menu on the blog. If you head over to thankfulhomemaker.com and you hover over the Christian Living tab, you'll see the Sermon on the Mount, the whole series. You can click on that tab and it'll take you to all the past episodes. I do have a couple exciting announcements to share with you today. I'm pretty excited about, and one housekeeping item to share quickly before we dig in today. I don't do a lot of fluff before, but today you're going to get a little bit of fluff from me, so I'm sorry, but it's good stuff, so I don't want you to miss this. So one is about a conference my husband and I regularly attend, and it's the G3 conference down in Atlanta. It's a biannual conference, so it's every other year now, and it's happening in the fall. This year, it's from September 30th to October 2nd. G3 stands for Gospel, Grace, and Glory, and the topic this year is Christ is Supreme Over All. Some of the speakers this year are Steve Lawson, John MacArthur, Paul Washer, James White, Josh Bice, Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Virgil Walker, and so many more. If you can go, you need to go. This year's conference is going to unpack the doctrine of Christ, and it's going to seek to connect the dots to our personal lives and functionality of our local churches. Friends, it is such a sweet time of Christian fellowship and the worship of God as we gather together to sing the gospel and preach Christ for three full days. There's also a pre-conference too. You can get all the details when you head over to g3min.org. So it's the letter G, the number three, M-I-N.org. And if you use the code G3BAR, so G3BAR, you'll get up to 15% off your registration. This is going to be in the show notes. You don't have to write it down. You can head over to the blog for this post and catch that too. I would just so love to see you if you're able to come, friends. Many of us are going to be there from um, the Bar Network family, which is my family of podcasts I'm part of. Um, Bar stands for Biblical and Reformed. So like Daryl and Virgil from Just Thinking will be there. Dwayne Atkinson, who's like, we tease, we call him, he is like our CEO of the Bar Network. He brought us all together and just holds us all together. He does such a great job and he's just the hardest working man in podcast land. So he's going to be there. He's He has his own podcast called The Bar Podcast where he has special guests each week. Katie from the Abide Podcast will be there. Um, I know Arlene's and her husband from Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives will be there. I believe Solacast is going to be represented. I apologize if I'm missing people. There's going to be a lot. So you can bring the whole family there. I love seeing whole families there with their kiddos of all ages. They're learning together. Again, the website was g3min.org, and it's going to be in the show notes. 
And my next item I don't want you to miss is the Open Hearts Online Conference. It's coming now in less than two months. It's a five-day free, yes, did you hear me say that? Free, fully online conference. This is the second annual conference, and the purpose is to provide women in the local church with sound teaching and biblical resources that encourage, exhort, and train women for the glory of Jesus Christ alone. Okay, how can you miss it when I've just explained what it is, right? So the theme, that, plus it's free. Did I say it was free? <clears throat> the theme this year is reverence in radical times, and we're going to be examining the false and sinful influences that lead women astray, as well as teach from the book of Titus, Proverbs 31, and other books from God's word as to what true biblical reverence looks like amidst a decaying culture. Ladies, the conference is going to be live streamed on Facebook, YouTube, I believe Instagram. I'm not for sure on that one. But new this year, it's going to be live streamed on AGTV. So if you have American Gospel TV, you can watch it there too. It's going to be up to watch forever after the conference. But I'd love if you can join us live stream because the real interaction online as it's going on is such a sweet part of the conference. And this is sweet. Worship is going to be led by City of Light. So this year's speakers are Martha Peace. You all know her from the Excellent Wife book, most of you. Susan Heck, who is an excellent Bible teacher. Brooke Bartz, who she's the founder of the conference. Kimberly Cummings and Shelby Cullen from the Women's Hope Podcast are speaking. Erin Coates is speaking, and you may be familiar with Erin. She's the wife of Pastor James Coates from Canada. And then Penny Amack, and I pray I pronounced her name right. And Michelle Leslie, who you know from um, Michelle Leslie, she has her own blog on biblical discernment. And me, I'm speaking too, so it's, it's sweet fun. Lauren Hereford from Tulips and Honey is um, what I'm going to call her our DJ. That's really not the right term, but she keeps the conference flowing and she just adds so much to it. I just absolutely love her. So I would love you to join us. For more information, you can just head to openheartsinaclosedworld.com. Again, in the show notes, when you get there, Sign up with your email so you can stay updated on all the conference info. If you're on social media, make sure you join the Facebook group if you're on Facebook. And also, if you're on Instagram, follow Open Hearts in a Closed World on Instagram. I do hope to, quote, see you all there. I would love that. And gosh, I'm out of breath. My last housekeeping item is brief. I'm basically going to take a break over the summer from blogging and podcasting, and I plan to pick back up in the fall, either in September or October, to get back on track with the Sermon on the Mount series and other episodes. So give you time if you're not caught up with some Sermon on the Mount stuff, you could do that over the summer slow. Um, This is episode 108, so you can go back and listen to maybe past episodes even. So unless there's really something on my heart to share with you, it's going to be a little bit quiet here. But I will still send out my monthly newsletter um, to subscribers. So come subscribe to the blog if you don't yet. And I'll still have a presence on social media. I, I use post schedulers, so I will always have content and things going up. And I am most active um, in the Thankful Homemaker Facebook group and probably a little bit on Instagram. That's where you usually find me. Okay, lots of housekeeping, some fun announcement type stuff. Thank you for hanging in there with me. So let's get to this today. So last month, we talked about how in Christ, we are the salt of the earth. And this part of the text had two common pictures we're all familiar with from everyday life. No matter where you're located in the world, you know what salt and light are. 
and the text states that we are to be salt and we are to be light are better stated as the scripture states, we are salt and we are light. So today we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 to 16, which read, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do, pe- nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus tells us in John eight twelve. again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that verse clearly tells us Jesus is the light of the world. And in Matthew 4.16, it states, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So Jesus is a great light who has come to those who are dwelling in darkness. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 tell us, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So because of Christ's work in those of us who are in Christ, in those of us who have come to a saving knowledge through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, we are now light and we're to live as children of light, and we are to have nothing to do with darkness. We've been delivered from its domain. Matthew 5.14 states, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. The word light here is from the Greek word phos. It's spelled P-H-O-S, and it speaks of luminousness, which may be a literal light, but more often as it's used in this verse, it's figurative. So light penetrates and dispels darkness. John 1.5 tells us the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So light is that which enables you to see or what, what makes vision possible. Light gives, light goes with sight, right? Light, it illuminates, it exposes, it guides, it directs. Light gives life to vegetables, right? And to animal. The opposite of light is, or is dark or darkness, which speaks of obscurity, delusion, confusion, camouflage, gloom, murkiness, shadows, nightfall, death. I think you get the idea there. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul tells us, and these verses I'm quoting here, I'm going to put them all in the show notes as always, but these are some excellent verses to work through. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 14, for at one time, You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light." Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we were once darkness, as it's stated there in Ephesians 5.8, but now we are light in the Lord, so we're to walk as children of light. We're to try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord, and we're to take no part in the deeds of darkness, 
but expose them. Well, how do we do this? Sinclair Ferguson stated to that question, we're to expose such deeds by the light that our own lives shine on the moral darkness around us. One commentator stated, the nature of light is to shine. There's no such thing as light that does not communicate itself. There's no such thing as self-contained light. Light may originate in a distant star and travel a span of light years, but it does not get tired of shining or cease to shine. Its nature is to shine. Christ says he has made us lights in the world, and we are not self-contained. It is the nature of the child of God who has been made light to communicate the light given to him. So this verse in Matthew 5.14, Jesus is saying that, that you, it is emphatic, you alone are the light of the world and no one else. If you are a believer, you are the light of the world. We are light. R. Kent Hughes explains from his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount how believers are lights. And he notes that Dr. Barnhouse, he was a master of illustration. He used to explain it this way. He said that when Christ was in the world, he was like the shining sun that is here in the day and gone at night. But when the sun sets, the moon comes up. The moon, quote, the church there shines, but not with its own light. It shines with reflected light. When Jesus was in the world, he said, I am the light of the world. But as he contemplated leaving this world, he said, you are the light of the world. At times, the church has been at full moon, dazzling the world with an almost daytime light. There have been times of great enlightenment, times such as those of Paul and Luther and Wesley. And at other times, the church has been only a thumbnail moon with very little light shining upon the earth. Whether the church is a full moon or a new thumbnail, thumbnail moon, waxing or waning, it reflects the light of the sun. And R. Kent Hughes continues. He states, reflecting on the illustration there of Dr. Barnhouse, our light is a reflected or derived light. It does not originate from us. That's a great illustration as far as it goes. He says, however, I believe the scriptures teach that the light is more than reflected, that in fact, we, we become light ourselves. And we're going back to that Ephesians 5, 8. It says, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So he says, somehow our incorporation in Christ allows us to some extent to be light, however imperfect, but our light is still derived from him. Not a ray of it comes from ourselves, but it is more than reflected. We are, quote, partakers of the divine nature, as Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 4, this is a mystery, end quote there. So friend, we who were once not just in darkness, but we were darkness, we now have the glorious privilege to be light in the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones reminds us the light that is Christ himself, the light that is ultimately God, is the light that is in the Christian. We have now the responsibility as light to a dark world to show Christ. This is who you are. We need to put on light. The more Christ-like you are in your attitudes and responses and actions, the more that light will shine to a dark world. When Christians begin living like Christians, it affects the people around them. 
even if there isn't an agreement to Christian principles as laid out for us in God's word, deep down people know that living God's way is right. Romans 2.15 comes to mind here for me. It says, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So for me, even when I was a non-believer, because remember, I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was in my mid-30s. So even as a non-believer, not adhering to God's word or having authority over me, I knew that it was wrong to lie, to steal, to have sex outside marriage, to use God's name in vain. And actually, the story, when I say that, as a little girl, I did that once um, with my grand, I, my mom and I lived with my grandmother when I was little, and I did that once when I was at my grandmother's house, and she washed my mouth out with soap. She wasn't even a believer. So, but let me tell you, I never did that again. Moments like that stick with you. So from that point, even as a little girl, I didn't use God's name in vain. But my conscience weighed on me and accused me, but I pushed it aside and ignored it. Why? Because it tells us in John three nineteen. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So coming back to Romans 2.15 there, as a non-believer, I had knowledge of right and wrong written on my heart. My conscience could accuse me or affirm me. All people have an inborn knowledge of God. Romans 1.21 states, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Or Romans 1.32, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. As we live out our lives as Christians in this world of darkness, and not just live it out, but we're, we're verbally sharing the gospel and truths about God's word with others, we need to remember that we're not starting with this clean slate when we talk to others about things of the Lord. There are things, these are things that are already written on their hearts by God. They may not have full clarity or understanding of the gospel there, but every person is created in the image of God. Reminder there, we are not all God's children. We are created in his image. We are not his children. See 1 John 3, 1 there. But when we remind ourselves of this, that these things are already written on their hearts, it's going to be a help in our witnessing, and it's going to help us in being the light that we are to be to a lost world. So think here, even with those you're closest with, those in your home, you may have an unsaved husband, you may have unsaved children in your home that you live with day to day, you have unsaved neighbors, God's law is written on their hearts. Sometimes we can overthink things, but we just need to live out and be who we are and saved and called to be children of light to the dark world around us. The word world here in Matthew 5.14 is simply the Greek word cosmos, and it's referring to the world or universe as an ordered system. Cosmos also refers to the world in a spiritual sense of the man-centered, Satan-directed system of this present age, which is alienated from and hostile toward God and God's people. Some of us may not be dealing with those hostile to Christianity just outside our homes, but it, it could be, like I said, unsaved believers that you have within your own homes. This The spiritual battle could be taking place, which is all the more reason why you need to know and study God's word and pray by the Spirit's work within you to live out the truths you know and are equipped to carry out by his strength. I have a whole series on the spiritual disciplines, walking through covering Bible reading and Bible study and 
prayer and meditating on God's word and journaling and fasting and evangelism. When you click over that Christian Living tab, Sermon on the Mount is a choice, but so are the Spiritual Discipline series. So if you've not listened into that yet, I encourage you to do so. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated, just by being a Christian, he shows a different type of life, and that immediately reveals the true character and nature of the other way of living. In the world, therefore, he is like a light being put on, and immediately people begin to think and wonder and feel ashamed. The more saintly the person, of course, the more obviously this will take place. He need not say a word. Just by being what he is makes people feel ashamed of what they are doing, and in that way, he is truly functioning as light. Our second part of the verse there in Matthew 5, 14, and then continuing on into verse 15, it gives us two pictures from Jesus that he's using to help explain to us what he means. So continuing on there in 14, it says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So a city set on a place that is elevated cannot be concealed. One commentator stated on this verse, one who travels the Holy Land is impressed with the fact that multitudes of villages were built on tops of hills. When night came, the light in the houses on the hill could not be hidden. From a great distance, one knew the location of the next village because of the light from the hilltop. The other example Jesus gives us is lighting a lamp and putting it under a basket. Okay, nobody does this. The purpose of lighting a lamp is to give light to a room or house. We as believers, we're to give light to a spiritually dark world. Evangelism is one way we do this, but we need to remember witnessing is not just what we do, but who we are. As we are living out who we are as believers, as we are living out the Beatitudes that we've already gone through, right? We are a light in the Lord. We are a walking testimony of our new life in Christ. We shine forth in the darkness and we illuminate the truth of the gospel by not just our words, but by our life. John MacArthur stated, the salt is the influence of Christian character. It's quiet, but it is powerful. Light is the communication of the content of the gospel. And so you have both sides. On the one hand, we live it. On the other hand, we preach it. On the one hand, from the inside, we affect society's thinking and society's living by the power of our lives. And on the other hand, we turn on the light so that everyone can see the message we want to give. And he continues, he says, and it's not just in our words, it's in our very overt, open, godly conduct. We are not to be just a subtle influence like salt. We are to be a very open and blatant influence such as light because you see salt can't change corruption into incorruption. Salt can only retard the corruption. That's only a negative function. Salt only holds back the corruption. We have to turn on the light of the gospel to transform that corruption into incorruption. So as we move here into verse 16, the world sees our good works. They glorify our Father in heaven, and to do that, it means that they've heard about our Father in heaven. It implies, as John MacArthur stated, a life and a message lived and spoken. Let me read Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So verse 16 here, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. So if you are light, if you are in Christ, shine your light, 
Don't hide it. Don't put it under a basket. Put it on a hill for all to see. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how does the light shine? Jesus tells us in verse 16, So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven through good works, through beautiful and attractive good works. 1 Peter 2.12 tells us, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. John Stott shares, Indeed, the primary meaning of works must be practical, visible deeds of compassion. It is when people see these, Jesus said, that they will glorify God, for they embody the good news of his love which we proclaim. Without them, our gospel loses its credibility, and our God, his honor, end quote there. So the hope and desire that these compassionate good works bring about is to glorify God. It would be that Psalm 150, 115 verse 1 is our prayer. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So I'm pondering here that self must be forgotten. The Christian does not call attention to himself. This comes back, friend, to the Beatitudes of being poor in spirit and meekness, all that we covered in the earlier sections of this text. We are called to do everything for the sake of God and for his glory. We're to lead others to glorify him. Matthew's gospel is agreed on by commentators to be the most, quote, Jewish of all the gospels. Jesus is enlarging the sphere of influence here, not to just the Jews in Israel, but to the whole world. The disciples are to let it shine to all. We see this clearly in the Great Commission. The whole world is our sphere of influence. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 reads, And Jesus came to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we need to see the lost world around us and have compassion. We, too, were part of that darkness until the Lord opened our eyes. I... My saying, I need to remind myself frequently, it's only by the grace of God I go. Think back to people he placed in your life that shared truth with you. You may not have appreciated it at that time or fully understood it. Maybe it even annoyed you or made you angry. But now, looking now from the other side, right, you're thankful that those people had true love and compassion on you and spoke truth to you. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. They were sheep without a shepherd. He wasn't concerned about himself, but the focus was always others. He had the heart of a servant always. This is how we're to live. I'm going to do a little bit here of cutting and pasting and paraphrasing. So it's not really a good quote that I can put in the show notes, but this was just from Martin Lloyd-Jones from his studies on the Sermon on the Mount for this particular chapter on this passage. And I'm, I'm, I'm not closing yet, but I'm getting close. But I want to kind of put this together here. So... He says, light not only exposes the darkness, it shows and provides the 
only way out of the darkness. The problem of man is the problem of a fallen, sinful, polluted nature. Can nothing be done about it? We've tried knowledge. We have tried education. We have tried political enactments. We have tried international conferences. We have tried them all, but nothing avails. Is there not hope? Yes, there is abundant and everlasting hope. You must be born again. What man needs is not more light. He needs a new nature that will love the light and hate the darkness. Man needs to be taken hold of and he needs to get back to God. We are here to tell him that there is a way to God, a very simple one. It is to know one person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the son of God and he came from heaven to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He's not only borne the guilt of our sin, but Jesus offers us new life and a new nature. He doesn't just give us a new teaching or understanding of the problem. He doesn't just procure pardon for our past sins. He makes us new men with new desires, new aspirations, a new outlook, and a new orientation. But above all, Jesus gives us new life that loves the light and hates the darkness. You and I are living in the midst of men and women who are in a state of utter darkness. They're, actually, I'm done with the Martin Lloyd-Jones part, but I'm going to come back because I want, to, I want you to hear this part. Friend, you and I are living in the midst of men and women who are in a state of utter darkness. Their destiny is hell. They will never have any light anywhere in this world except from you and me and the gospel we believe and teach and proclaim. They're watching us. Ladies, your families are watching you. Mamas, your kiddos are watching you. Do they, de- do they see something different about you? Do they, de- do they see the difference Christ makes in your day-to-day life, in your attitudes and responses, in your dealing with hard circumstances and trials and difficult people or situations? We need to show them a life lived out shining light, and we need to open our mouths and proclaim the good news and tell them about this free gift we've received, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and give men a new nature and a new life and to make them children of God. Christian people alone are the light of the world today. I pray that we function and live as children of light. John Stott reminds us that our influence as Christians in this world of darkness depends on our character. And as we've seen in our past episodes together, the Beatitudes, they set a high standard. They're not achievable unless we're in Christ. First, we're reminded the Beatitudes identify whom God declares to be blessed. And then second, Jesus offers his followers the immense privileges of being the world's salt and light if only they will live by the Beatitudes. And this, this is the way God is glorified. Jesus tells his disciples, if they let their light shine so that others see their good works, their father in heaven will be glorified. In the upper room with his disciples, Jesus shares similar words. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. John Stott said here, quoting him, he said, this then is the great desirability of the good and Christ-like life. And so of the Christian counterculture, it brings blessing to ourselves, salvation to others, and ultimately glory to God. End quote there. Ladies, this requires wholehearted devotion and service to our King Jesus. It will cost us everything. We are called to reflect the light of Christ to others. And as we do this, The Lord will continue to lead us on by his grace and his love and his righteousness. 
me close today here with the words of the doctor, good old Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's just become a favorite in my home here for me. So Jesus puts before us this wondrous picture of becoming like himself in this world. It was as men and women saw him that they were led to think of God. Have you noticed how often after his miracles, we read that the people, quote, gave glory to God? They said, we've never seen things like this before. And they glorified the Father. You and I are to live like that. In other words, we are to live in such a way that as men and women look at us, we shall become a problem to them. They will ask, what is it? Why are these people so different in every way? Different in their conduct and behavior, different in their reactions. There's something about them which we do not understand. We cannot explain it. And they will be driven to the only real explanation, which is that we are the people of God, children of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. We have become reflectors of Christ, reproducers of Christ. As he is the light of the world, so we have become the light of the world. So my friend, end quote there, but my friend, are we different? Are we salt that is salty? And are we light that is shining bright and not hidden? The words of C.T. Studd ring here in my mind sometimes. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I pray the Lord helps us to be faithful and that he helps us to make a difference where he's placed us. And I pray that we do it for his glory and for his glory alone. So my dear friend, Jesus is enough always. Again, full show notes over at thankfulhomemaker.com with whatever links and verses and quotes will all be in there. And as we move forward in the fall with the series, We're going to see then next what is involved in living and shining as the light of the world through the rest of Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount as we continue to work through it together. I'm so thankful for your time today. Friend, if you are enjoying your time here at the podcast, I would be so honored and thankful if you could leave a rating and review over at iTunes or wherever you listen in. I'm so grateful for all of you that have done that. It is such a huge help in others finding the podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And then also just a quick recap of my housekeeping items um, and announcements. So check out the G3 conference at g3min.org. That's g3min.org. And make sure you check out the info and sign up for the free online Open Hearts in a Closed World conference. That's openheartsinaclosedworld.com. And third, that... I will be a bit quiet here again at the podcast and blog over the summer, but do make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen in. So that way you won't miss an episode. Just if I happen to randomly pop in, you'd you'd get it in your podcast catcher and see it there. And also if you subscribe to my blog, you would get any updates from me on things like that. And you also get my monthly newsletter and you also get access to my little free printable library. I have some fun freebies there for blog subscribers. And I promise I don't email too often, just when there's something um, good that I want to share with you. And last, I'm so grateful for y'all. And I'm still going to be popping into social media this summer. Again, I'm most active in my Thankful Homemaker group on Facebook. If you're not on it yet, join us there. We'd love to have you. Sweet group of women, just good encouragement, all kinds of questions and different topics and things we deal with. Um, And I'm also on Instagram. So if you're on either of those, I'd love you to join me there. I'll put, again, all those links in the main show notes. If you're still hanging with me here, um, if you're looking for some good summer reading and you haven't purchased it yet, pick up Martin Lloyd-Jones' book on the studies in the Sermon on the Mount. It is the one book that you're going to turn to again and again, and it would be great for you to go back this summer um, and read through the other 
parts of the Sermon on the Mount that we've already gone through if you don't have it and you haven't got to read it yet. So my friend, I am so thankful for you and your extended time here with me today. And I do pray that you have a very blessed week. 